Amen. It's a beautiful song, isn't it? I hope y'all like the time. Uh, you know, we you know we always try to beg for people to come sing, but uh, you know, um, I hope that that time is still a time of of reflection and and uh, uh, it's just something that that um, I mean, me personally, I definitely um, uh, get something out of it. So I hope that it uh, blesses your heart as well. I think I'm live. Okay, good. Okay, so last week I did like a thirty second, um, you know, reel instead of a, a Facebook live. Sorry if you're try to watch it last week if you're home or whatever um i didn't know that facebook had changed it so uh yeah um so anyway um so uh, mr tommy this is for you man you haven't heard any bad jokes in a while so um i thought i would start with some today so uh yeah turn it down there you go turn it down so i wanted to wear a turkey as a helmet i tried really hard but i just couldn't get my head in the game so all right what do you think miss april pretty good no Alex liked that one, though. All right, uh, maybe. Overcome with the beauty of the earth from space, the astronaut removed his helmet. The view was breathtaking. No? What do you think? All right. Candace, what do you think? That was better. Why did the lady wear a helmet every time she ate? She was on a crash dot. All right. Yes, that was good. Okay. All right. A construction worker without a helmet walks into a bar. Ouch. A bar, not a bar with... Yeah, turn over, there you go. And then lastly, you've probably heard this before, but what did... You probably heard it differently, like one hat, but what did one helmet say to the other? I'll stay here, you go on ahead. <laughs> all right, anyway. So in all seriousness, um, you know, in all seriousness, joke, wearing helmets is not uh, a joking um, matter. It really isn't. It's serious business. And, and I alluded to this um, several weeks ago, when I thought about people who have had, you know, serious uh, injuries um, because of that. And I, I think if, I don't know if Miss LaRue is, LaRue Lupo is watching or listening, but um, her son, you know, can attest to that. And she talks to me about that and how serious he is about kind of getting that message out about wearing helmets, um, you know, as a motorcycle uh, rider. Um, and so I'm sure you've asked anybody about, about that who's been badly injured, they'll tell you the importance of wearing a helmet. Turns out, minding your head is important. What about us? And so today, and Sally's going to help me out today, is um, for it with the central statement: the helmet of salvation is the next part of the armor of God. And I wish Mr. Lawrence was here to hear it, but it's a possession you must have. It protects your head and it provides hope. So three points today, and we're going to start with this possession that you must have. So Ephesians six verse seventeen. Just reading the first five words. Take the helmet of salvation. Take the helmet of salvation. Now, this is an allusion to Isaiah 59, verse 17, as Isaiah, Isaiah prophesies about Jesus, where he says, He, Jesus, put on righteousness as body armor and a helmet of salvation on his head. He put on garments of vengeance for clothing, and he wrapped himself in zeal as in a cloak. So it was an allusion, if you know that word, if I'm sure Alex remembers us teaching that. All right, it's something that you allude to in history or in literature in the past, and you say, and, and you know, it was brought out in another uh, work of literature. Uh, and so, number one, it's a possession that you must have. Possession that you must have. And a better word for this is, you know, I actually should have used uh, as a possession you must take, because that's what that's what Paul uses. Okay, he says, take the helmet of salvation. See, you don't really own something until you have it yourself, right? 
until it's yours. Uh, it's yours own. I don't know. That's what we used to say back. Anyway, anyway um, it, it's one of those things that that young adults crave, right? You know, I can remember being that age, and you crave for independence and have something of your own. You know, you appreciate your family, you appreciate your parents, but you crave that time. You know, it's, I want to have something of my own. Um, I, I can remember, and I didn't know I was going to say this, and Mr. Mike's not here, but something that y'all may not know is I bought my first car from Mr. Mike Jones. Okay, uh, it was a Nissan Altima. Boy, I thought I was it, man. I was it. I had my own car. It wasn't a pass-me-down car any longer, all right? Uh, and I had those two, okay? Uh, I had an old Ford Ranger that when I went to North Florida Junior College, I had three. I had classes Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, 8 o'clock, and I might have made it on time one day uh, of the week because my truck would, would mess up on the way to, to church, right way to school um, two out of three days a week. It would it would not work. It would I would pull over the side of the road, and then my friend Scott, if he's watching, my friend Scott would be late, bless his heart, and he would pick me up uh, and, and take me to school. But anyway, um, and so when I had my, my one that was mine, man, I said, man, this is awesome. You know, it's a possession that's mine, and I love that. Um, y'all, y'all, we all ever taught maybe uh, as men, when the men, you know, the fellas in the house, only a couple of us, but um, did your dad teach y'all the importance of a firm handshake? All right, did he ever teach you that? Okay, um, it's kind of neat. I was—I uh, may have told y'all about T.J. Rutherford. He's a former student and athlete that I taught in Madison County, and uh, he is now a professional wrestler. All right, called the Cheese. All right, true story. All right, and I actually bought a shirt, you know, uh, and I've worn it to school a couple of times. But anyway, um, and uh, who is that? It's just a former student of mine. Yeah, anyway, um, but he told me, and uh, and he he messaged me, and he said how much he appreciated me, you know, um, and and. Uh, uh, and for buying a shirt and then for everything else. And he, he mentioned to me that he still remembers me teaching them. To, apparently, I taught the basketball team when he was in middle school there at Madison County at Lee Junior High School. Apparently, I taught them how to give a firm handshake. I don't even remember doing it. Okay, but but he remembers that. He said that stuck with him all through school, college. He 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 says he it's just something that stuck with him that made a huge impact in the importance of giving a firm handshake, looking the person in the eye, and you know. And so I thought that was kind of cool. I have a reason for that, all right? Um, because the idea of firm uh, handshake it makes me think of to grasp. Because um, Curtis Vaughn, the theologian, he pointed out that the Greek word used for take here is not the same word that was used in the reference to the shield earlier, okay? Um, it, it's it, like last week that we talked about. Um, that word you know, normally means to receive or to accept, to welcome, whereas this word is kind of a stronger meaning. It means to grasp. I like the difference, and y'all know I love the details there, but I love the difference there because it, the idea is, is, is holding on tightly, Okay, to and another way of saying it, another word, the way it was defined was to seize firmly, to seize firmly, all right, to, to take it and grasp it, hold on to it. It's like the actor in the movie holding on to the rope for dear life, you know. I, I think it was a cliffhanger, old, you know, Sylvester Stallone, old movie, and he's, you know, and he's holding on to a hand and then the hand slips out, you know, and the person uh, fell to their doom. But anyway, um, I think of I think of that. And, and so it says to take, it makes me think of, you know, it's not a weak grip. You know, it's not a weak grip. It, it, it's firm. Um, and it got me thinking how, um, you know, that, that we as as Christians, that we hold on to that salvation that we have, that we that we accept the Christ as, the, you know, who, who paid the payment for our sin in our place, that we hold on to that. And I got to thinking about this morning how at least we as Christians have something to hold on to. Right? Amen? Isn't that something to be thankful for? 
we have something to hold on to, and it breaks my heart that the world, the world grasps for all other things to hold on to. But it's not. It's, it doesn't fulfill them. They look for peace and joy and hope and all these other things. But we as Christians hold on to salvation, real salvation in Jesus Christ. Amen? And I just thought um, how awesome that is. 1 Timothy 6, verse 12 tells us to fight the good fight of faith, to take hold, take hold, listen, same thing, take hold of eternal life to which we are called and about which you have made a good confession in the presence of many witnesses. So Paul tells us, tells another group of people to take hold of that eternal life, to hold on to it, hold on to it dearly. See, and this is something I know you all know, all right, but salvation is offered to many people and we know it's a gift and all we have to do is possess it ourselves. And I know you've heard many preachers say what I'm about to say. That you, you can't get into heaven based on your parents' uh, commitment of faith and salvation. All right? But boy, it just surely does seem like that people think that way, especially in the South. Well, I'll just go to church. I'll be okay. I'll be good. I, I'm, I, you know, my parents have been, they, shoot, they, they, they were there when the, tr- the door, doors opened. You know? And, and, and we, we rely on those things when... That's not anything to rely on because it, we have to possess it ourselves. It's personal. We have to own it. We have to know. We have to know about it. Not just know about it, but we have to have received it ourselves. Amen. Uh, I just listened to a, a preacher. I think it was J.D. Greer. Um, he's one of my favorites, and he, he's. I want to say it was him, but he was talking about how Pilate, how how when you look back at the story of of uh, Jesus and. You know, before before being on a cross and during that whole time, and it just seems like you know, Pilate, man, gosh, he was so close. He was so close. He was like, it's like he believed him, but didn't believe in him. You know, uh, and and said, so this guy's done nothing wrong. This guy's done nothing wrong here. Let me, hey, let me just give you Barabbas. Don't you want Barabbas? No, we don't want Barabbas. We want Jesus. You know, and he's like, are you sure? Yeah, I find no fault in the man. But it's it's interesting. You look back and think that he was he was so close. He he missed heaven by what was the old saying? We by what is it eight or nine inches from your head to your to your heart. He didn't apply it to himself. So the helmet of salvation is the next part, the fifth part of armor of God, and it's a possession that you must have. Do you have it? Okay. Don't and see we, you you want you can fool everybody else like I you know preached that even I think last week and at Burnham. Um, you, you can fool everybody else in the world, like I fooled people at Burnham for a while, right? um, but you can't fool God. All right? He knows your heart. All right? And it's a possession that you must have. All right? You must have Jesus. Amen? And it protects your head. Number, again, we'll go to the next, we'll look at the verse again. It's real short today, the part, the part of it that we're looking at. Take the helmet of salvation. Number two, it protects your head. It protects your head. Now, uh, I know I, I asked a few weeks ago about how silly it would be for a football player to go out onto the field without a helmet. It, w- it would be ridiculous. People, everybody who's watching that says, that's not right. Something's not right about that guy. He needs a helmet. Okay? It, it don't matter what, you know, what age it would be. You would all be like, yeah, he needs a helmet, all right, to protect himself. Um, I, and, and I just looked at a little bit about concussions. But, y'all, uh, every year when I coach basketball and even now, they still do the same thing. Every team has to watch a concussion video. All right, I, I was in my room a month or so ago when they had the lady volleyball team in my room watching the concussion video. You know, um, you have to watch it. All right, every year, and it's becoming a, a more and more of a thing. Uh, back in the early 2010s, it was really a hot topic. Um, 
and, and it's interesting to note that it says during that time concussion rates for children under the age of 19 who play football had doubled in the last decade. Right? Um, and, and, and even though overall sports participation has declined, it had doubled. That's interesting. Um, and it, it said that more than 248,000 children visited hospital emergency departments in 2009 for concussions. That's a lot. That's a whole lot more than it needs to be, all right? And then uh, then you had the movie that come out with Will Smith in it. I haven't seen it yet, but the concussion movie in 2015. But they, you know, it, it was a big enough deal that something that they raised the money and all to produce a, a, a film on it, okay? So concussion is important. See, the helmet mentioned in this passage by Paul is the Greek word gallia. Um, it protected the head and neck from enemy attacks. Uh, it was an iron helmet uh, forged from one piece of metal and lined with leather. Okay, um, crest. There are also crests, which we'll talk about later. That was made of like dyed horse hair. They indicated rank and also tell you who you who you fight for. We'll talk more about that later. Uh, plates hung down along the cheeks. Okay, all right. Uh, and another plate protected the back of the neck and shoulders. Uh, this, of course, is protect the head. A soldier wouldn't be of much use if he survived the battle but came back brain dead. Right. Okay, I mean, it wouldn't be, a, you know, it's just kind of a common sense thing. Uh, also, in the midst of battle, if he took a blow to the head, all the other gear became useless. Right? If, he got, if he took a, a big blow to the head. I mean, I know a little bit about that. Uh, again, it's funny how God, how God works this out and Sally's going to laugh at me. But we have a young man. Uh, I, play, I decided to play a little basketball Friday uh, in second period because I'm an idiot. Okay. Uh, and I, I was like, I don't know what I was doing, but I decided to play. They said, Coach, you want to play with this? We're going to play. We're going to play four on four. We're going to play like a real game over here, half court. I said, Well, as long as it's half court, I'm good. You know, whole, full court, I might die. But, um, and so I played with them, you know, and we did pretty good. But anyway, I was going up for a rebound, and this young man who was a good foot taller than me, all right, and, and bless his heart, his name's Ali. He, he's, he's from Africa. He moved here last year. He's a, he's a funny young man. He's really funny. He's a good young man. Anyway, and he went up and he hit me with his elbow right here. Okay, I, I, it's still a little bit swollen. That was Friday. Okay, um, and he hit me, and I was like, you know, and I stumbled a little bit. And he was so he was so sweet. He was like, "Oh, Coach Murphy, I'm so sorry, Coach Murphy, I'm so sorry." I said, "It's okay, man. You just about you know knocked me out, but that's okay, you know." Um, but anyway, and so I can I can definitely relate how the importance of uh, you know, of course, you can probably argue that I'm still something's definitely wrong with my head. But uh, and I was I said that before you could say it, Mr. Tommy. But um, you know, a, a Christian's uh, a Christian soldier's thinking process is protected by salvation. This thinking process. See, while salvation is definitely by faith, right? We'll see this Ephesians 2, verse 8 and 9, all right? Uh, we know it's by faith. There's nothing of ourselves. You're saved by grace through faith. It's not from yourself. Uh, it is God's gift, not from works, so that anyone can boast. All right? It's by faith. Yet, salvation must be appropriated in the heart, right? Yes, in the heart. We talked about it earlier. But it's not a mindless religion. It's not a mindless religion. 1 John 5, 11 through 13. Sally read it earlier in today's uh, service. And this is a testimony. Listen, God has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. Those of us who have accepted Him, all right? The one who has a Son has life. That's us. Okay? If you've given your life to Christ, uh, we have life, all right? Eternal life. The one who does not have a Son of God does not have life. It goes back to the first thing we talked about. You've got to have it. You've got to have the Son. You've got to have the Son. It's a possession you must have. Okay, um, I have written these things. I love this verse. I love this verse, especially when people doubt, when people, you know, oh, if I, I sin, am I going to lose my salvation? And I said, I have written these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. You may know it. It's not, oh, I might, I might have it. I wish I, I wish I have it. 
I hope I have it. Okay? No, it says that you may know that you have eternal life. This salvation, a constable says, this salvation is evidently similar to a helmet because deliverance involves a mental choice, namely trust in God rather than self and obedience in Him. Okay? I like that point. See, God does use reason. In fact, Isaiah 118, you're probably familiar with this, says, Come now, let us reason together. Let us reason together. Right, Brother Tom? Let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Amen. Amen. Their sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, they shall become like wool. Amen. Okay. Come, let's reason together. And that faith... That faith comes through the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And in Romans 10, 17, so faith comes from what is heard, and what is heard comes from the, from the message about Christ. So somebody in your point in your life, and, and, and my guess is that most everybody here has given their life to Christ, or everybody has. So at one point, you heard the gospel. And maybe you heard the gospel a thousand times, right? but you heard it. You heard it, and that faith came from what you heard about the truth, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that he stood in your place. And you said, okay, I accept that. Right? I accept that as applying uh, uh, for me. See, a, a, a theology, J, J. Vernon McGee tells a story, and I love this. It says, a theology professor who was a liberal said many years ago when I was a student, when, when uh, McGee was a student, he said, faith is a leap in the dark. That is not true, he says. He said, God does not ask you to take a, take a leap into the dark. In fact, God says, it is, if it is a leap in the dark, don't take it. God, God wants you to leap into the light, he says, into the light. God has a solid foundation for you and how wonderful it is. You know, this is not a mindless religion, mindless faith. And boy, Satan would love to take our minds, right, like he did with, 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 uh, with Eve and Adam. 2 Corinthians eleven three tells us, Paul says, But I fear that as a serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your minds may be seduced from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ, and we see that in our world today. Amen. We see we see things taking the hearts of people and the minds of people, right? and they think, "Oh, that sounds good." Right? Oh, my truth! I can have my truth. Oh, yeah, it sounds good to me. It's mine. Okay, and, and, and well, you know, like we've said many times before, truth is a person, Jesus Christ. I'm the way, the truth, and the life. And we know what happened in Eve in Genesis chapter three, the fall. See, uh, my hope is that we can recall for a moment whenever we first got saved. Are, are we still as hungry to know God now as we were then? We must be mindful of our faults. Listen, in fact, uh, Paul tells us to take captive every fault. Listen, 2 Corinthians 10, verses 4 and 5. Since the weapons of our warfare, again, he's, he's talking about the spiritual warfare in another passage here, are not of the flesh, but are powerful through God for the demolition of strongholds. We demolish arguments and every proud thing that is raised up against the knowledge of God, and we take thought captive, take every thought captive to obey Christ. See, that could be one of your own personal prayers. I mean, I, I prayed that this morning. You know, God help me to take every thought captive and make it obedient to Christ. You know, we should be growing in our relationship with Christ. Look in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 18. Paul, uh, Peter says, But grow in the grace and knowledge... Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Right? Are you growing in your knowledge of Jesus Christ? Are you in your relationship with Him? Are you, do you have your time with, with Him? Do you pray? Do you read, do you read God's Word right? on, a, on a consistent, regular basis? Warren Wearsby said, When God controls the mind, Satan cannot lead the believer astray. 
The Christian who studies his Bible and learns the meaning of Bible doctrines is not going to be led astray too easily. He's telling the truth. You're not an easy target for Satan then. You're not an easy win. Do you doubt? The Bible tells us that the truth is in Jesus. Ephesians 4.21 says, Assuming you heard about Him or were taught by Him as the truth is in Jesus. I alluded to earlier the truth. Jesus is another word for Jesus, another name for Him. McGee also tells a story. He says, One Sunday afternoon, he said he visited a man who had been a deacon in a local church, but was at that time involved in a false cult. We sat at the table, he said, with open Bibles, and I tried to show him the truth of God's Word, but it seemed the mind, his mind was blinded by lies. So he asked him, he said, How did you happen to turn away from a Bible-preaching church and get involved in this belief, in this false belief? And his reply stunned me. He said, Preacher, I blame the church. He said, I didn't know anything about the Bible, and they didn't teach me much more. I wanted to study the Bible, but nobody told me how. Then they made me a deacon, and I wasn't ready for it. It was too much for me. I heard this man preaching one day uh, over the radio, and it sounded as if he knew something. I started reading his magazine and studying his books, and now I'm convinced he's right. How sad. Let me give you some practical thoughts here, and this is nothing new. Um, it's mostly um, pretty much derived from, um, and I mentioned this before, but it's okay. I think we can say it again today because um, I, I can't say it any better. But um, Josh McDowell, oh, he's a um, writer, Christian writer. He wrote a book called More Than a Carpenter. I encourage you to, to, to get it if you've never heard of it. Anybody have heard of it, More Than a Carpenter? All right. It's about this big. Okay, it's like 90 pages. All right, you can get it. It's called More Than a Carpenter, Josh McDowell. I encourage you to read it. All right, um, it's apologetics. Okay, it's going to give you some, you know, it, it shows you that, again, I've been proving and trying to make a point in, uh, here in this particular point is that it's not a mindless Christianity, it's not a mindless religion. And he gets to this one of the, my favorite chapters is, um, is titled Lord, Liar, or Lunatic. And, and he just kind of makes the point, and it's a, a very, you know, uh, this is a great point. He says, Jesus claimed to be God. So he either is who he says he was, or he's not. Okay? He didn't claim to be a good, he didn't claim to be just a good guy, good teacher. He claimed to be God. Okay? So if that's the truth, then he either, either is Lord, or he's a liar. Okay? And if he's a liar, he's a lunatic for dying on the cross for a lie. Okay? So it's kind of like some common sense type things, but the point again is, is not, it's not a mindless religion. And what about his disciples? And this is not in that particular um, uh, book, but I heard uh, Christian Paul say this the first day of SCA. Right? And I was like, I was blown away. I said, dude, that's good. You know, he says, think about it for a second. Um, how long does it take for you and your friends to keep a lie from coming out? It doesn't take very long. Think about when you were younger or just trying to keep a lie. It doesn't take long for that lie to come out, right? Well, people will say that it was a lie, you know, that, that they try to say that Jesus, you know, didn't raise from the grave. You know, it was, they try to say that was a lie, and it's actually been passed around to, to the Jews now. All right? and, and so anyway, um, and, and he says, but think about it for a second. So you mean to tell me that they, they kept the lie for years? They kept the same lie, all of them. And then they all, a bunch of them, I think every disciple, right, uh, died for their belief. 
So you, so they, you, you really, you have to really have a lot of faith to believe that. Okay, to you know, to me, you almost have to have more faith to believe that that these people lie, kept alive for years, and that they also died for it. See, it's not a mindless religion. Amen. The helmet of salvation is a fifth part of the armor of God. It's a possession that we must have. We must have. It protects our head. And I love this last part. It provides hope. Provides hope. Take the helmet of salvation. Number three. I don't want to go too fast on Sally. All right. Go ahead, Sally, to the next one. All right. It provides hope. See, salvation. David Gusick said, One of Satan's most effective weapons against us is discouragement. When we are properly equipped with a helmet of salvation, it's hard to stay. It's hard to stay discouraged. Do you, like I asked you earlier, do you remember your life B.C.? Before Christ, you remember how you were? I remember how I was. Okay? Um, I had no hope, that's for sure. I had definitely no peace. I mean, what's the old what's the old T shirt, Alex? You know? No hope or no God, N O no no Jesus, right? You know? No peace. K N O W Jesus, K N O W peace. Ephesians two. Let's go back to what Paul told the Ephesians in, uh, towards the beginning of this book. It says, And you, every one of us, we were dead in our trespasses and sins. And I want to change this, okay, to us. In which we previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in disobedience. That was our reality. That's who we were before Christ. But God saved us because of His great love and grace. And a couple verses later, Ephesians 2, verses 4 and 5. But God, who is rich in mercy, hallelujah, because of His great love that He had for us, made us alive with Christ, even though we were dead in trespasses. You are saved by grace. Hallelujah. So we can have confidence that we are protected from ongoing demonic attack. Uh, 1 Thessalonians 5, 8 says, But since we belong to the day... Let us be self-controlled and put on the armor of faith and love and a helmet of the hope of salvation. He even adds that. Okay? He adds the word hope. He makes my point for me. All right, thank you, Paul. All right. The idea is that this soldier has hope and it helps him keep moving forward. I mean, I, okay, I don't know how many fans, how many fans here love football or whatever. Okay, I'm a Gator fan. All right? uh, I can remember whenever Steve Spurrier got hired. You know, and I was like, ooh, we might be pretty good. <laughs> it gave me hope. Or I think of Florida State fans, you know, and after Bobby Bowden stepped down and then Jimbo Fisher came. I'm sure Florida State fans were like, oh, mm-hmm, he's pretty good. You know, he might be pretty good. Or Georgia fans when Kirby Smart, you know, got hired. You know, like, I like Mark Rick, but this Kirby Smart guy is pretty good. You know, and so it, hope, okay, having that hope, you know, what it does to a team and what it does to us as Christians. F.F. Uh, F. Bruce, I love the way he does way he, said, way he does this here. He said he makes the point that this hope is in all three tenses. Tenses, okay, verb tenses. Past, present, future. I, I love this. Um, I, there's an unknown person. We don't know who said this, I, or I couldn't find who said it. Didn't really try too hard, to be honest with you. The salt was unknown. All right, but uh, it says salvation means that God has rescued uh, rescued you from the penalty of sin. He is rescuing you from the power of sin, and He will rescue you from the presence of sin. That's good stuff. That'll preach, and so we're going to do it just like that. We're going to preach it just like that. So past. Okay, just look at that past from the penalty of sin. Look at the hope we have. Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. What we earned, what we legitimately earned because of how we lived our life, which is 
filled with sin is eternal separation from God. But the gift, what we don't earn, something that was given to us, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. We should have died on the cross, but He took our place. Amen? As a result of accepting this finished work on the cross, our sins are forgiven. The Bible tells us in Psalms that as far as the east is from the west, so far has He removed our transgression from us. See? Completely the opposite direction. And so our past, we have hope because we are freed from the penalty of sin in our past. We don't, and, and that's tough because we, we, you know, we're human. And so we think, well, we have a tendency to hold grudges. Maybe I'm the only one. Yeah, and we, you know, I can't get, I can't forgive that person because that person did that or said that about me, you know. So it's hard for us to really, really appreciate that. Right? Wait, all my sin, God? Yes, all of it. Okay, you've been forgiven. And so from the past, we have hope because the penalty of our sin has been paid for there. And then the, from the the power of sin. Listen to Romans chapter 6. And there's a lot here. I'm going to read several verses. And I hope that's okay. But I just love how Paul uh, says it here. He says, What should we say then? Should we continue in sin so that grace may multiply? Absolutely not. How can we who died to sin still live in it? And think about the presence, okay? The present uh, right now. Or are you unaware that all of us who are baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into His death? Therefore, we were buried with Him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, so we too may walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have been united with Him in the likeness of His death, we will certainly also be in the likeness of His resurrection in the present. Right? For we know that our old self was crucified with Him in with him so that the body ruled by sin might be rendered powerless so that we may no longer be enslaved to sin. See, a, a non-Christian can't do that. Right, brother? All right? They, they, they can't do that on their own. We can't do it on our own. I tried. I tried to be a good person. I tried to make A's. I tried to not get in trouble. I tried so hard. All right? Wasn't good enough. My feet, my, my uh, righteousness was filthy rags. And then it goes on to say, since a person who has died is freed from sin, verse 8, now if we die with Christ, we believe that we will also live with Him. Because we know that Christ, having been raised from the dead, will not die again. Death no longer rules over Him. Amen? I love that part in that song. All right? You know, and it talks about Him rising from the, from the, from the grave. Like, I can't help but get excited. I love that they have the clapping in the background. Verse 10, for the death he died, he died to sin once for all time, but the life he lived, he lived to God. So you too consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. That's what we do right now, in the here and now. That's, how, that's what we try our best to do with God's help, with the Holy Spirit's help, help to, to consider ourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Verse 12, therefore do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its desires. So we try to not let sin reign. Uh, and, and get, the, get the best of us. And do not offer any parts of it to sin as weapons for unrighteousness, but as those who are alive from the dead, offer yourselves to God and all the parts of yourselves to God as weapons for righteousness. Verse 14, For sin will not rule over you because you are not under law but under grace. That's our, that's our present situation. So, so we, we, have men, we have hope because uh, from the past, from the penalty of sin, and the present, from the power of sin in our lives, and then future from the presence of sin. First John verses chapter 3 verse 2 and 3. Dear friends, we are God's children now, and what we will be has not yet been revealed. We know that when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is, and everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. We have that hope. 
Revelation chapter 21, verse 27 says, Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Talking about heaven. Doesn't hope give you confidence? It should. See, we hear announcers, we watch a football game or a baseball game, right? Mr. Jim, we're go Red Sox. He and I are all about it right now. But we hear announcers talk about momentum. You know, all oh, that one play changed momentum and how it, how it builds. Charles Hodge wrote, That which adorns and protects the Christian, which enables him to hold up his head with confidence and joy, is the fact that he is saved. The fact that he is saved. Which leads us to the last thing, which is the idea of the helmet also being decorative. I alluded to it earlier, and it has these little, you know, little things and you know, dyed horsehair and a different little. What do they call it? Plumes, maybe. I think that's the word for it. Not real sure. All right. Um, do y'all have like a, a favorite helmet, you know, at all in football? I can remember having when I was grew up. Uh, one of my one of my bed. Um, we call it bedspreads. Yeah. Um, big one to cover. All right. Uh, it would have. It was. It was the, all the NFL teams, you know. And their logos and stuff, you know. And, and I always thought, I always, I always like to look at helmets, and I thought, man, I like their helmet. That is really cool. I always like the Chargers. I like the little you know, thing there, you know. But anyway, uh, and like I think of like yesterday, Florida wore a wore a, a throwback helmet, and it was really cool looking, you know. Um, see, de- uh, they had these again, these helmets had magnificent plumes or crests. But I love how J. Vernon McGee said it, and I'm going to go back to this in just a second, okay? But he said that plume on the top of the helmet is Christ. It's Christ. Because, see, we, we bring nothing beautiful um, at all to the table. Amen? I, I, I think I said it at Burnham uh, on, on the day that, that I spoke there, how it's, we're like the, the men, you know. We're like the men uh, at a potluck supper except for Mr. Jim, okay, because he actually brings stuff. But, but uh, amen. But um, it's like most men are like, yeah, whatever she brought, all right. Because I, I I contributed nothing, okay, um, to to the meal. But that's exactly what we do when it comes to comes to salvation. We bring nothing but our ugliness, um, our dirtiness to the table. Right? That's all we bring. But thankfully, um, we don't have to bring anything because God's already done it for us. Amen. As Matthew one twenty one tells us, she will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Listen, because he will save his people from their sins. Are you glad that you're that you are saved from your sins today? All right, hallelujah, I am. I'm just thankful today. This is the whole thing just makes me thankful. We can't save ourselves, but I know a man who can. All right. See, he is in control. He is worthy. And to wrap up here, and I'm gonna ask Alex to come up and Sally again. It's possession that you must have. It protects your head and it provides hope. The helmet of salvation. I'll tell you a quick story. I'm not going to belabor it too much because uh, they are already gone past today. But uh, a story is told, and I may have told you before, about Michael Jordan and Brad Darty. Brad Darty also played basketball. He's actually now an owner for NASCAR cars, uh, you know, which is kind of interesting. Um, but there's apparently a story. It's a legend. Maybe it happened. I think it probably happened, but I don't know if it's become a legend. But basically, um, they had they, you know, Michael Jordan invited Brad Darty to his to his house you know and and uh and, and he needed some shoes or something he said go in there you know and and, and get you some um and it was just full of nike shoes because you no know, michael jordan's all about nike but brad doherty was an adidas guy you know and and, and uh he you know he's trying to get him to, to cross over you know and, and and uh he he was adidas guy yet he was wearing some nike shoes from michael he let him borrow he said listen brad all right you can't be on the fence anymore 
right? Either either be all the way from Nike or not, okay? And so, uh, obviously, the point is we can't be on the fence. Can't be on the fence. What side are you on? When we talk about this, this battle that we're in, whose side are you on? And something also interesting about the plume on the soldier's helmet is that they were used to identify the soldier to his regiment, okay? Which is an obvious transition or connection to us, right? What Are you in the Lord's army? Are, are you identified as being on Christ's side? Old, old uh, Uncle Sam picture, I want you. Right, well, that's, that's God too, He wants you. Okay? Will you say yes to Him today? All right, I encourage you to do that. If you haven't already uh, done so, I think most have, and that's okay. I still want to open up you know, to give you the opportunity uh, know that Jesus died in our place, and it's a matter of accepting what He did on the cross as applying to you. And if you have made that decision, then wear your helmet proudly. Amen? Let's, let's, uh, let's sing. We're going to be standing and singing wherever He leads, I'll go.